In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio tonight. I have with me Eric the Artist. Happy holidays. I have with me Gary the Stud. Bah humbug. And I am Bob Christman, your host, better known as Mickey Mouse, because I don't know what to call myself anymore. Okay. Hello, welcome to our show. So that'll do. Ho ho. Yeah, suddenly Disney wants eight million dollars from us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about tonight, and I'm gonna get right to the point. We're gonna talk about Jason Momoa performing the Haka. We're going to talk about the trailer for the latest trailer for the Bumblebee movie, which I believe is coming out this weekend, correct? Next. Next weekend, okay. Uh, the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The trailer that everybody I know is waiting for us to talk about, which is Avengers 4 Endgame. That's right, we have a title now. And then we're going to talk about the new, well, the newest announcements of the cast for The Mandalorian. So I don't know how many people, like, were online or watched online when Jason Momoa went to Hollywood to release his movie for Aquaman, but they decided at the red carpet to do the Haka. And I got to tell you, it's not often I'm impressed with a Haka. I mean, I've seen it a lot. Uh, I think the most impressive one is watching the, the soccer team do it together. That was pretty scary. It was like, wow. When you see that many guys doing the Haka together, it, it can be pretty impressive. Uh, I, every time Tem does it, it scares the credit out of me, <laughs> just because it's Tem and Tem Tem is you know Tem. But I gotta admit, Jason Momoa, that was not only like imposing, but it was incredible, and I was highly impressed with not only the fact that he learned the haka, but the way they did it. I fa- I love the fact that he broke the staff for Aquaman over his leg to yeah. start it out. It's a trident. The trident. Thank you. You're right. It's a trident, not the gum either. 
So, you know, it was it was impressive. It was also scary. <laughs> a couple of the guys in the background, I'm looking at their eyes, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, their eyes are bugging out of their head and everything. And, and I know that's part of the haka, but I just I thought it was a great thing to mention just because it was so cool. It was so oh, awesome it, it to see. It was really neat. I just, you know, I'm impressed with the haka every time I see it. I, I can't explain it. There's something about it that's it's not just intimidating. It's kind of fun to watch, and I don't know how to explain it to people who've never seen it. So if you get a chance, just go YouTube. I, I think it's just Jason Momoa. That's, I think that's what I put in, right? Jason Momoa Haka. Yeah, the title it'll, of the video is Jason up. Momoa performs Haka at Aquaman premiere if you're yeah. going to be specific. But. Yeah, on, on YouTube. But I think if you put Jason Momoa in Haka, it'll, it'll, it'll show up. So looking at the energy of him and the cast here. Yeah. And what have you heard about the movie so far? Because reviews are out now. I haven't heard much. That's the weird thing. Right? Like, I don't know. I've you... heard basically two lines of thought. One, it's entertaining and good. Not okay. as good as still not as good as Wonder Woman. They keep saying they keep right. using that as the DC. The, yeah, the, the level. Yeah, but they say a it's it's good it's fun or b it's not a great movie but he does well. So people really? seem to be liking him a lot. Right. And they say he brings a lot of energy to the character, energy, probably. character charisma. You know all yeah. that to the to the role, and that some people think the movie's fun and some people don't. Hmm. But universally, I've not heard him being bad. So right. it could be worth a see. I don't know. I haven't heard any like, oh my gosh, you gotta go see it. You know what I mean? Like Not that's that, no. And normally by now, because it's been out for a week, right? I think uh, right. No. Uh, or did you start this com- weekend? Comes out next week too. Does yeah. that come out? Oh, yeah. so Bumblebee and it are against each other. Yep. Oof. Uh, that's a rough weekend. <laughs> this weekend is Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. And I've been hearing nothing but universal praise for that. I, I'll agree with you. Okay. I have not actually. Everybody's encouraging me, even though I've said a million times I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, and I didn't know. And like everybody in the uh, superhero alliance of Western New York's been telling me, like, go see it. Oh yes. my gosh, go see yes. it. So like, I I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm hoping to. I, I told soon. Mary I'd like to try and get out and see it. I'm hoping over the holiday break maybe I can convince one of the kids to go with me and it go should, see it. You know? I, I think it's gonna. It's what are we? A week and a half out from Christmas. I'll, I'm Something willing to like bet that. it's gonna be in the theater to New Year's. Well, yeah, that's Even what I'm kind of thinking. Out, I, I don't think these other movies are going to necessarily push it out. I think we're going to have a glut of genre movies in the theaters over the Christmas break. I agree with you. Because you're going to have <clears throat> Bumblebee, you're going to have Aquaman, you're going to have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The movie I actually want to go see, Mary Poppins Returns. <laughs> Same here. Looks, I'm excited about good, that. And I've heard good things about that. People yeah. are saying that it's really well done. So well, we're doing Mary Poppins Jr. at my middle school yeah, as so our musical. So I want to go see it just because, like... <laughs> It, it's kind of the inspiration, you know what I mean, oh, yeah, at this yeah. point. But at the same time, I'm looking at the cast. I'm looking at what I've seen of the trailers. and They caught the feel. They yeah. Caught, they really are being true to it. And the fact that they brought on board, who's the original? Dick Van Dyke. Thank you, Dick Van Dyke. Back on, they yeah. brought him back on board. And I was kind of like, yes, like somebody finally got that that's important to bring oh, Dick yeah, Van Dyke absolutely. on board. So, so I am excited about you've it. You've got all those movies that are yeah. going to be out on Christmas Day. You walk into the theater, you've got choices. You got Yeah, you have some if, serious choices. If you're into these kind of movies. Well, yeah, the geek world has yeah. choices. I guess that's the best way to put it. So, check out the Haka if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet. So, the next thing we wanted to talk about, um, you know, th- this... <laughs> I don't know where to begin with this, because I just saw this the other night for the first time, and it impressed me from the moment, like, almost go, from the minute I saw it. Now, I'll admit the first Bumblebee trailer kind of had me like, eh, eh. And then I watched this one, and it was like, wow, okay, now I kind of feel like I missed something here, like... This is the trailer I missed all these years. You know, not only the trailer, but it's making me wonder if this Transformers movie is the Transformer, like the first Transformer movie that should have been. And we're talking about Bumblebee, by the way. 
what did you guys think of this trailer? I mean, as far as like the quality and what you're seeing and the possible storyline, how does it how does it work for you guys? Gary, what do you think? Well, I actually wanted to see it right, right from the get go. I wanted to see what they're going to do with Mumblebee. At first, I was like, yeah, why why are you just sing on him out? Yeah. But, but then I see the trailers. It's like it's not really just him. And that's what I was going to say. Like. And, when, and it's the generation of one Transformers too. So right, that's the other thing maybe like that's about. the thing that's grabbing my attention too. Like I, when I first heard they were doing a movie about Bumblebee, I'll, I admit that was my first reaction. I was like, why are we choosing Bumblebee? Like, why not Optimus Prime? Why not you know any other uh, character for that matter? I know I hit the wrong button. <laughs> why not any other character? But why do we, you know? There's so many people you could have chosen to be the star, and you chose Bumblebee, and I was kind of. Like, eh. But then, as they're getting into this trailer, the more I'm watching it, the more I'm like, yes, like, now I get why you chose Bumblebee. Like, it totally makes sense to me now, and I'm kind of liking where they're going with this. Eric, what you, would you think of the trailer? I mean, like, what have we seen so far? And <laughs> Well, I'm, I gotta admit that I'm not a huge follower of the Transformer movies. Okay. They lost me early on. Mm. It just was I wasn't a fan of the humor. I wasn't a fan of the overdone action, the length of them, where it was just like, felt like a ton of padding you know so i've actually not even seen a couple of them <laughs> maybe someday i'll do the same thing i'm planning on doing with the fast and furious franchises i'll watch all the transformer movies and i'll live tweet them as i do that too but that might kill me did you do your fast and furious no, no no i'm hoping to do that over christmas break. okay but so i will admit this looks a bit more i guess the best term i could put is streamlined mm-hmm. i always felt like the transformers movies from what i saw of them they felt overstuffed it's like Peter Jackson type directing when he's given too much free reign. And he, he does too much, and you're like, okay, we. You talking about his King Kong? Yeah, you're overdoing <laughs> yeah. it. It's, we get uh-huh. it, you know, and not just King Kong. He's done it with some other movies. Yeah, too, I agree with you. Yeah, that's the one I, I mean, always comes to I, mind when I think of that. I like him as a director. I, I get it. He's like, I just want it. You got to get your money's worth. You right. know, these movies have to be bigger than all other things. But sometimes less is a little more, and it really gets you, you know, and it, it gets you emotionally. Whereas if it's overstuffed, it's tiring. And that's what the old Transformer movie series felt like, especially as they got into the later ones. This looks, like I said, streamlined. It looks like it's a more focused story. We're seeing a lot of robots, but I'm not seeing a lot of, you know, it it doesn't seem to be getting out of, it doesn't seem, it seems to have a focus in both story and in visual form. I mean, they seem to have simplified the robots down a little bit in terms of their visuals. Because the old robots, I think they were trying to over-impress you with like every little feature that could move and intertwine and whatever. Right. And these seem to be a bit more designed to be functional. I like those things that I'm seeing. So whether or not I'll see it, I don't know. But I got the trailer looks better than the other stuff I've seen. I'll tell you what I don't like about the Michael Bay version, and you're starting to hit up on it. None of the, none of the characters looked like the Transformers they were supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, Even though it was Optimus Prime it didn't quite look like Optimus Prime, especially when he was in truck form. I was always like, is it? Oh, wait, that's right, he's metallic. He's not just painted to look that way. Uh, and then the bad guys in particular, and then it got to a point where I think beyond, what was it, Dark Side of the Moon, I think is the one that kind of, like, to me, ended it for me, because once they started getting to a certain point, I couldn't even keep track of who was who. Like, which Transformers are in, which ones are out, what generation are we looking at? You know, oh, look, it's the dinosaur ones. You know what I mean? Like, But they never looked like the ones we watched as kids on a cartoon. And what I'm talking about is, like, they, they didn't even try to no, make them look like them. They you were know? overproduction design. Right. That's what they did. When you saw um, Megatron, right. for example, even in the first one, 
you had to look really hard just to see his face because he was so there's so much stuff inside of it yeah you lose and that's what i'm talking about you lose focus when your visuals are that packed in every inch of the frame you can't focus on anything it's 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 over stimulus and i didn't like those designs yeah and that's what's got me excited about this one because not only can i recognize bumblebee which okay i can recognize bumblebee but shockwave like grabbed my attention who's the other one that i said uh, Soundwave. Soundwave. Soundwave grabbed my attention you know it was like and they looked like the shockwave i grew up with the sound wave we grew up with i just want to know how they're going to justify the a tape, tape recorder player <laughs> on an alien planet unless it's you know oh they got Maybe a, it's a dat recorder i mean that's the thing is they could get tv signals see sure. things and visually duplicate them from right. the time frame i mean you could have a model t transformer Right. Just because well, that's the signal they got at the time. Right. Th- that's what I liked about the last Transformer movie before this one, is they gave a big backstory on Bumblebee. Right, they did. The, for this movie. Oh. Because he was a, a World War II agent fighting for the Allies. And oh, yes. they went into all that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where, where he was an, an actual German armored car <laughs> back in World War II. And that was the only good part of that movie. That's you know, And I think that's yeah. what kind of was the precipice behind this one. I thought it was interesting, though, the pick for the cast. Now, the the girl's kind of a... Eh, she's known in the Disney Channel, not much else. But the main character... Well, I, I know her from the remake of True Grit. Right, True Grit. That's right. Oh, she was she the, the girl in True she Grit? She was the girl oh, okay. in True Grit. Okay, yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you, Gary. I forgot about that. I like that movie. But to cast John Cena, I thought, was kind of a... Interesting. A bold move, you know... Cena's kind of hit or miss, you know. And from what I've seen so far, he's not over the top. No, and that's no. what I'm surprised at. Like, like I said, Cena's either hit or miss, right? Like normally, I watch a John Cena movie, and I'm either like, oh wow, he he's pretty cool in this, I like it, or it's like, oh my gosh, he's like cardboard. Like it's like yeah. you know, at times because he's a WWE guy. I mean, like at times he's very cardboard in the way he acts. He was I, actually really funny. I wa- I saw that Amy Schumer movie uh, yes. with John Hedder. Yes. I can't think of the name of it now. I can't either, and I know what Which, you're talking about. It was about. actually a fairly it was really funny, funny movie. Yeah. He, you know, it's a simple romantic comedy, whatever, yeah. but it was pretty funny. But he was hilarious. In yeah, movie. he was. I mean, he was willing to, to do humor that really... And he played a great straight man. Yeah, and he played, I mean, he played totally, the straight man, but yeah. at the same point, had hilarious lines. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I like him sometimes. And yeah. like you said, he seems to be modeled to this role he's not overdoing it he's not right. coming in as a over-the-top bad guy he's playing the role which i like I'm, I'm actually like i said i had no interest in this movie when the first information came out about bumblebee i was kind of like, you know and now that i'm seeing some of these trailers like to me these trailers should have come out months ago because then i would have been i would have been paying a lot closer attention going oh my gosh that looks like my transformers i gotta go see this thing now I'm kind of scrambling, going, can we go see it? You know, like, I didn't, I originally, I did not, was not interested at all. Like I said, a lot to fit in this holiday season. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. So that brings us to our next trailer. And this one, I just saw myself tonight, so I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I, I'm stoked. I, I gotta admit, I'm, again, I, I grew up with all the B-horror films watching. I mean, I know you guys did, too. You watched... I'm sure you watched the old black and white. Godzilla was Godzilla. my Saturday afternoon. If right. I could catch a Godzilla movie on, you know, USA or Channel right. 11 out of New York, for us, it was that channel. <laughs> PBS. PBS, even, uh, <laughs> PBS, would, would have yeah. things. I, I would watch those Godzilla movies. Yeah. Like, that was it. I'm sitting down. I know what I'm doing for the next two hours. Yeah. Even if it was a ho- one of the horrible ones, I'd watch it. Well, it's funny, like, I've told you guys I've been watching MST3K, and they um, they had on the other night, or the, the other day I was watching, I'm in season eight now, so I think the, the opener for season eight was um, uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon, but it was like Return of the Creature, it was the second okay. one of the Black Lagoon movies, and I laughed because I was like, 
I remember them re-showing that movie at our local drive-in where you could buy the 3D glasses and they'd made it 3D, you know, and you could, that stupid red and blue 3D dimension thing of it. And I, I just, that, you know, but this reminds me of the old black and white Godzillas from back in the day, but modernized. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, Mike... <laughs> well, I think this is going to be what everyone was expecting the first Godzilla movie to be. Yeah, like when, I, when, when the first Godzilla movie came out, I was excited because I'm very a big fan of the director, Gareth right. Edwards, who went on to do Rogue One. Right. And unlike a lot of people, I liked his approach. Mm. He took the Jaws approach, which was keep teasing until the big battle happens. Right. He kept cutting away. He kept doing odd things. People didn't like that. I enjoyed it, and I got a kick out of the movie. I just, I just let it wash over me until we got to the big battle. And I remember it was like fist-pumping moments the first time. He, he'd he set it up so well that yep. when Godzilla's finally shot out the atomic breath, I wanted to stand up in the theater and like, yeah! It was like, he really built it well. Right. People didn't like that. So now, with the sequel, we're very clearly getting the monster battle royale that everyone wanted the first one right. to be. Which I don't think it could be. I think it needed to build to this. Now we had the first one, we had the introduction to the world, we got Godzilla... Let's go ahead and go exponentially bigger, and we're getting that in this trailer. I'll tell you what my, my issue was with the first one. It wasn't necessarily the buildup, per se. To me, what was wrong with the very first movie was the fact that the bad creature that Godzilla faces was not one of the Famous known ones, ones nope. right? They made, I mean, they made it up they, for the movie. To me, if they'd, if they'd used rodan or something like that i might have been more into that final battle <laughs> i have a so feeling it was like you was built a... up you built up you built up and you get to the final battle and i'm just kind of like eh, it seems like a, a know-nothing creature i feel like know? i have a feeling there were copyright do you think that's that what was going on holding it back this was the first you know first american version of godzilla that was allowed since the 90s yeah something with, like that uh, with uh, uh, uh matthew broderick right which and, to me is a dinosaur movie. And, and I don't that, care what anybody yeah, says. And that movie also had none of the other famous monsters. It right. really, you could argue, didn't even have Godzilla in it. Right. So yeah. for them to get the rights back to make another American version, I think it was very limited. Right. And so they they had to kind of create their own creatures. Do you think that was like a test market to yeah. see Almost, yeah. would it would it be marketable here? I, yeah. I, I I think it was Toho's or whoever owns Godzilla's name. Right. It was their litmus test for the Americans to see what they could do. Yeah. Because we know Godzilla is alive and well in Japan. It's yes. not going anywhere. It's been alive and well. Right. How many Japanese movies have they had uh, even in the last three years? There's been well, like five, Well, I know five, they right? had Shin Godzilla, but now I'm hearing they're not going to do a sequel to Shin Godzilla. Okay. Right, they have They're moving they have on to another storyline right. with Godzilla again. They're going to do their own. Yeah. But they keep theirs... The ones from Japan are kind of separate than yeah. the American version. This is its own. Universe. I've also heard they're they're thinking of reinvigorating Mecha Godzilla again and bringing it back. And I'm kind of like, I've had people wonder, are we going to see Mecha Godzilla in this? I'm like, I, I, I think don't that's too think much so. Of a jump. Yeah, that's you know, way. That's we're way not at that jump. technology yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe another thirty years from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, but, right. Gary, you came up with a good point of what you think this is leading to. Well, we know what it's leading to. But go ahead. I think the big battle at the end of this movie is going to wake Kong up and have Kong come see come what's see. going on. Yeah. That's what I think. Come so. off his island onto yeah. whatever's going on here. Because we know that Godzilla the next versus movie. King Kong is right. already under production. Yeah. So it's, and it's, that's not a secret. People know that's coming, right. so they've got to lead to it. So our creatures in this movie, because we've already kind of figured out most of them anyway. There's one, right? We're still kind of not sure about. They've said there's, there's five, five, but we've seen We've four. only seen four. Okay, so I mean, obviously Godzilla. I mean, yep. King of the Monsters. 
We've seen Rodan. Yep, he's the bur bursting out of the volcano. I like that touch they've done where he's, he's flaming as he flies around. I was gonna, I'm hoping they're cool keeping touch. that all the way through. Like, every time he flies, he's kind of you know, fanning the flames right. or however you want to look at it. We see uh, King Ghidorah, Ghidorah which the, is the, the three-headed monster. That's the only monster that's ever been able to really stand toe-to-toe -to -toe or beat Godzilla. Right. Has he actually beaten oh, Godzilla? Yes. yeah. Okay, so maybe I missed one in fact, somewhere along the way. In fact, one battle, it took Rodan... Uh, took almost all of them, and right? Godzilla to all fighting King Ghidorah. It was kind of like an bring him battle. down. Yeah, I remember that one. I've down. seen that one. God, you guys are bringing me back to my science yeah, fiction uh, club back in uh, middle school here. I don't battle Monster Island. I think. It was. Yeah, I think. That I was think you're one. right. Yeah, yeah. And then we see. So we've seen Mothra. We've seen. And then Mothra was the fourth one. Mothra was the fourth yeah. one. Thank you. Uh, so so you know, and Mothra looks interesting. Mothra reminds me of the very first versions of Mothra we saw way back when. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, I know in Japan this isn't the case, but the Godzilla we're seeing, it's all CGI, correct? I Not believe, a guy in a no, suit, No, I believe right? everything we're seeing is CGI. Okay. Yeah, it's all a But in Japan, they're still using the guy in the suit, yes. aren't they? Yeah. They mix it. I think Shin Do they mix Godzilla it was a mix of both. Okay. Because I actually watched a making of, and I was surprised at some of the sequences. Right. They did the whole, you know, where they kind of peel back the layers of the effects over right. the shot, and they peeled out Godzilla... The, down to the model and the musculature, I'm like, I thought that was a suit scene, but that was, it was CG. Okay. So they, there was definitely a mix, but they still want to lean towards guy in suit. They like that. Do you do you think that takes away from Godzilla when we go all CGI like this? I, that's the only... Like, when I look at these things, even though I like the look of them, and I think it's awesome and amazing, and of course it's bringing back all this stuff from my childhood, and I'm sure my parents' childhood, realistically speaking, but do you think it takes away from Godzilla not having the guy in the suit? Yes and no. Because I think we're doing it the right way by making him look like Godzilla and not, right. not changing him up and make him look like an iguana, <laughs> like, like the last one was. Yeah. Or a dinosaur. <laughs> I still think that movie was created as an answer to Jurassic Park. I don't care what anybody says it really and that, was. You just had, this is the exact point I wanted to make, the CGI of the Godzilla from the Matthew Broderick movie with the kind of iguana-shaped right. you know, face and head and body couldn't be a person in a suit. Right. The shape of it was physically was impossible. Too weird. Yeah. But this one, even though it's CGI, has the shape like of a could be a guy yes. in a suit. Right. And the fact that they've done that with CGI keeps it feeling like Godzilla to me. Yeah. So I like that they that's the design choice they made. It sounds weird and dumb, but I almost want the thing to kind of like when Godzilla walked, if you ever paid attention to him, he didn't just walk. He kinda like Hop walked right because it was a guy in a suit and it was awkward to move that suit. Well, the more and more, you know what I mean. It's and so fun to watch the documentaries on that, right? Because the more and more the movies progressed, the more the guys in the suit tried to work in. They, they started doing like Japanese sign language with his arms and stuff. Right, right, the right, right, right. Godzilla would yeah. do and everything, right. and the jumps and the celebrations and everything they worked in. It went from just it's a monster to like to having like, some sort of pattern, had a major to it. personality. Right, yeah, and I so. kind of liked that, and I'm hoping they kind of, even though it's CGI, kind of work some of that in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now the cool thing about CGI is we're able to do stuff that we weren't able to do. I mean, Mothra looks a lot more like not, Mothra than a guy in his suit. You're you not know, going to see the strings in this movie, right? That's, yeah, that, and that's yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, yeah. And and um, there, there was a, a video a friend of mine posted on my page. I think he did. Or he might have sent him a message. I'm not sure. But anyway, they showed the actual Japanese uh, Comic-Con where they right. showed the different looks of the monsters and stuff. And what a lot of, a lot of people were complaining about is the way Mothra looks like. It's more like a like the Mutos from the, the first guys of the movie. Right. But the thing is, is this... Because he's a giant moth, it doesn't mean that 
it has to be just like Godzilla because the, the, right. the original Mothra back in the day. Because there's all, all kinds of different moths out there, so like it can yeah. be more streamlined and everything. And here's the thing. If you look at the original Mothra, just due to their limitations of the model they could make, the puppetry right. they could do, they couldn't make it very insect-like. I mean, it had a very round, puffy head. Right. had very simplified movements and features. They can now give this... I mean, if you look at a moth, it has the segmented legs right. like you know a typical insect, which the old Mothra never really had. Right. So the fact that it's got these is simply them adding on the details of a real moth to it, but people go, oh, that's not the moth I remember. It's because the moth you remember didn't look like a moth. It looked right. like a giant right. moth kind of puppet. It was a moth puppet. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like Yoda. It did not look like Yoda when it was CGI versus right, <laughs> a puppet. Right. You know what I mean? That's realistic. You know, the other thing, too, is that I think the advantage of Mothra is you could explain him evolving because he could cocoon again and evolve into a different looking Mothra mm. and then for the next movie cocoon again and look at you know what I mean like that that's explainable because moths actually can do that they can evolve by cocooning up and changing and that that's actually a thing that's happened in nature so why not use it for mothra right, right. I, it's a thing what about king Ghidorah? do you guys like the looks they gave that creature i You're mean you're still like, not seeing him perfectly they keep his no, body no they keep obscuring him quite a bit yeah. i like the tail he's going to have the double tails yep. they've given him the three heads i mean mm. they're, they're sticking with him he's, he's giant in scale oh yeah i do like the scene where the two of them are charging each other and he kind of ducks down and the heads jut forward like a charging kind of right. lizardous creature yep. and he definitely has a dragon look to him so i'm just waiting to see it in action now i agree with you yeah, he's always obscured, but I think that's just so we don't see all of the yeah. big baddie just quite yet. You know what I mean? How far into the movie do you guys think we'll have the big battle with all of them? Do you oh, think that'll, that'll be at the end? That'll or be the finale, but I, I know we're going to... They've learned from the first movie and the complaints there were. Yeah. We're going to have... They're not going to wait that long, I'm expecting think. four decent-sized battles. Three smaller, one major is my right. prediction. I, I get, I, yeah, I, yeah, I can uh, almost see that. What, what I think is uh, you're going to see Godzilla against Rodan... Uh, right. Probably go Godzilla against Mothra b- before they actually become buddies type right. thing. You know, and like Godzilla is pretty much telling them, hey, join me. We got this big yeah. daddy to play. Here's, here's the real problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to our big subject because we knew this was going to happen. Now, I'm not going to show. I'm not going to show the trailer on the video, and I'll tell you why. That's because Disney <laughs> clamps oh, yeah. down on YouTube. So if I show the trailer, they're not going to let me let me do that. So we're going to talk about the Avengers 4. Now, first off, the thing nobody talked about, which I thought would, should have been an amazing thing, was the title of the movie came out in the trailer, finally. Oh, I heard a lot of people talking about so it. The title I heard a lot of people disappointed that it wasn't something more original. Really? Because I thought that was a good <laughs> title, Endgame. I mean, but it's the Endgame, was right? Pre- it was predicted by a number of people that that would be the title. Well, I think it leaked yeah. <laughs> more than well, predicted, no, I mean, you know? it was Doctor Strange's practically Right, it's all about line. the Endgame. And right. then the, the line is also back in Age of Ultron, I believe, as well. Is it really? There's a scene of Tony Stark saying, you know, oh, we can take out uh, weapons dealers and all sorts of stuff all day, but the threats from up there, outer space, that's, that's the, the end, end game. game, he says. He's okay. talking to all of them. So they've used it twice in the movies. So, you know, I mean, come on. They, they do <laughs> Easter eggs like that all the time. They're just hinting, and that's fine. I don't mind it. I, I actually like the end game title. So we, we're in space with Tony Stark, and it looks like it's the end of times for him, and, and the fact that he's So do you think he just took a ship to try and get and Titan to get home and it just died on him? Uh, Is that how he got there? I think, yeah, I think in a desperation, desperate attempt to get somewhere he took a ship from titan and said i'm gonna go home and i'll come back and get you guys and yeah who there's nobody left well is he the only one left on Gamora. titan 
Him and Gamora. That's right. I guess it was him and Gamora. <laughs> so I guess that is the question. What <laughs> happened to Gamora? Just, she's going to probably just hop a different ship and fly away. You think so? Oh, she. she uh, I, I think they're saying that she can't breathe. She doesn't need to breathe, so she can survive. That's on true. That yeah, she can true. survive in space. And uh, it looks like a Milano <laughs> anyway. So. Yeah, it does. So it's you know I, I guess the question is how he ends up there. But I mean that's I'm glad they don't tell me. I that, have a feeling you know? it's going to be very early in the movie that sequence. Oh, I think that's like yeah. I pretty, think that's pretty close to the yep, beginning. Yeah. Uh, I thought the Marvel <laughs> Studios sign whispering away like he f- snapped his fingers at it. It was, yeah. was pretty. Which, was, which means was a nice addition. I have a point to make as we go along here. Okay, go ahead. No, I, I have to wait till we get there. So keep okay, going. so we we see Thanos's armor sitting there, and he's kind of walking that through a field. That from the comics. Yep. So we know at this point that he's kind of feels like he's done. He's yes. he's hung up his armor. At least that's the impression you're supposed to get here. And I that's think. the voiceover we're getting from Black Widow. Is right. he did it. He did he it. He did what he said he was going to do. Disappear. Yep. And, t- and of course, now we, we see Cap kind of crying about the deaths and everything else. Everybody's upset. And I thought it was interesting because, you know, you <laughs> see in the actual Avengers that who's not Hulk, still no Hulk. Yeah. Bruce Banner. T- Bruce Banner, thank you, is looking at Scott Lang and Peter Parker. Peter Parker. And one other is in that shot. It changes. Does it really? It was. Scroll back just a little bit. No, I didn't that's see who it was. At the beginning of the shot. Oh, they don't show it there, but I thought I saw it in another sequence that it was showing Shuri. Yeah. Yep. Oh, who was you that? Never, you never saw her vanish in the previous movie. That's Shuri. Oh, that's Shuri. You you, you saw, uh, what's her okay. name? The warrior. I can't think of her name. The warrior van. No, she stayed. It was T'Challa. Vanished. T'Challa's. Yeah. But that's the only one we saw right. of the Wakandans vanish, but they're saying his sister also. Oh really? The science, the scientist with all the brains right. gone, huh? Which that's a hit if if they, she's yeah, gone. They yeah, never, everyone expected her to be around and big in the second movie, and if she's been taken, right? Now we see Thor in almost it looks like a cage. I think he's sitting somewhere in the Avengers headquarters. You think so? Just mulling. Yeah, and he's, he's so he's pretty ticked he's got, off. He's got the fake eye still. Yep, still <laughs> has the fake eye. We have Gamora's sister Nebula. Uh, Nebula. Just kind of. Do we and know that, who she's... See, now that's the thing, is she's in a spaceship. Right. Which could be the one Tony Stark's in, and she touches someone in a chair. And it kind of looks like it might be Tony. It could, and is this person dead? Did yeah. she find him and he's dead? Is she saying goodbye and good luck, take off? Is that her goodbye? Right. Who knows? Now, here's the big one. Of course, we all have been wondering, what happened to Clint Barton, right? Where's Hawkeye? Yeah. Well, they show him, but well, it's not Hawkeye. It's Ronan. He's now Ronan. There is no doubt about it. He is definitely in the Ronan costume. He definitely looks worse for wear, which I think is a pretty big clue. We know what happened. We, about when yeah. his entire family snapped away. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think he's coming out because he has nothing else to live for at this point. Uh, he's been kind of forced. Well, in think situation. Of, so think about this because I thought about it. They may even put this in his lines. I could imagine him saying to Black Widow, "This was supposed to be fair." Right. But why is my family, who were good people, gone and, and criminals and bad right, guys still, still here? Out there. And, and now I, he's out to kill him. That could, because he's right. lo- he's lost it. I could totally see that as yeah. an argument for him to come back yeah. out. I thought it was interesting that Cap pulls out his compass again with Haley Atwell, mm-hmm. and he's looking at Sharon Carter, and so you kind of sit there and you go, "What's Cap's motivation here?" You know what I mean? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of interesting that they're using that as the as Kind of his motivation. The very as it were. Ne- look at the very next lines we get. Right. This is gonna work. Right. So this is now they're talking about a plan they've got to right. do something. And Cap says, "I know it's going to because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't." Right. So they've got something. This is by that point. Right. In the movie, by that point in the movie, oh, there's something big going on. Pause yep. it here. So Go look ahead. at this. What's happening? Uh, the Avengers A is coming back together. It's assembling. Yeah, I get it. 
I get it. I'm like totally in the trailer. Avengers Assemble. I think we're finally gonna get that darn line. You think we're gonna get the line? Avengers Assemble. Four movies. We gotta get it. Do you think it comes from Cap? Oh yeah, he's I think gonna it has sh- to, he's gonna right? shout it, and everyone's coming in. And it's gonna right. be that moment when the theater just wants to erupt. Yeah. Oh, I think that's gonna be the the victory moment, right? Yeah. Now, I think the big part is the ending. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you why. First off, Scott Lang shows up, right? And he's like, he's "Hey guys, you know." And this is the part that if you have not seen Ant Man and Wasp, spoiler, sorry, I'm about to ruin it for you, but I have to. How the deuce did Scott Lang get out of the multiverse? Of the multiverse. He was trapped in there. All three of the people who were monitoring him, just as they were going to bring him out, snapped away. So I got your answer. And he was left there floating. I've got your answer. Do you? You're going to hate me. It's not Scott Lang. You don't think that's Scott Lang? Nope. You think it's a scroll? Ding, ding, ding. Why else would you have Ms. Marvel introducing Skrulls? Why not have a scroll copy Scott Lang, go to the Avengers headquarters, infiltrate... See, I, I actually think you're wrong on it. Really? And oh, I think, I think this is the perfect because, way to do it. I think it's because part of him being back mm-hmm. is how they're going to time travel, dimensional shift, whatever. Okay. I think him coming back from the multiverse is going to be important. He gets out somehow. And oh, I'm not saying that he doesn't get out. I'm right. saying that the Scott Lang you're seeing here right. is not the Scott Lang. I can, okay, and I can see that. I can give it a potential, but right. I only give it about 20%. I think I, it's really him. I think it might be higher than that. I, what I think is going to happen is that's how we're going to find out the Skrulls are still around. Because I think we're going to find out the Skrulls are on Earth in Ms. Marvel. But right. I think what's going to happen is the, the implication is going to be that the Skrulls are no longer here. I disagree, Emily. <laughs> what's that? You disagreed. You're leaving. Yeah. I think we lost Gary. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think it's a scroll either. He agrees with me. Okay. I think it's Skyline. But I, I think what happens is, is they think the scrolls are gone. Like maybe they defeated two or three of them, so they think they're gone. But I think there's one left, who's been trying to infiltrate the Avengers as much as he can. And I ultimately think that See, that's that's the Scotland no, thing. No, because here. here's the problem with that idea. That's great and all. Yeah. But that's putting a different villain into the story against the major focus. And I don't see the the Russo brothers going, yeah, let's also put that storyline in on top of it when our I, focus should be the, the bad guy. I still guy think, the, think the focus is going to be Thanos, but I think what ultimately they're going to set up is the next major story arc going into, what is it, the fourth? Season ge- four. Yeah. The, well, or the, four, uh, whatever stage the, four. Stage, stage four. four, right? I think the major villain phase is stage four. Phase, phase four. Thank you, it's phase. I knew it was something like that. Uh, so I think the next major villain in phase four is going to be the Skrulls, so why not start setting, like, start the ball rolling on that? It may not actually come to total fruition, you know, throughout this whole storyline, but why not put little things like well, that and, to interject? And who knows? It in. Maybe that's going to be your big ending that you keep predicting. Is we're not going to get an ending which is oh here comes the X Men or here comes the Fantastic Four. We're going to get a slam bang teaser ending that's going to be there goes the Captain America we knew, there goes the whatever we knew as they transform back from, into scrolls. Right, back into scrolls from being human beings. And we're like, when the hell did we lose them? Where did they? You know, right. how long have I been watching I, the bad guy? I right. see you doing that, but I right. see that being. I don't see that being the resolution that the audience is going to is going to should get. And I don't think the Russo brothers are going to go that route to disappoint the fans because I think since this is going to be the last time we see some of these characters, I don't see them sending them out not being those characters. I see them giving the resolution to the fans that they want. I think that's the type of people that they are in terms of writing story. So, I get what you're saying, but I'm also saying it's Disney, right? Like Disney's yeah. hands in this. Think about the wait what you get at the end of 
the last movie. Right, and Disney right. loved that wait what? Why? They built up anticipation for this movie. You want to build up anticipation again? Give them another wait what? Yeah, you know, where the I Avengers just, are scrolls and you go, wait what? I don't see the wait so, like, what all being, this we've been watching is not? You yeah, know, see, like, I don't see them doing that as the wait what because that wait what is like, we lied to you. And they'll feel so betrayed that I think there'd be a lot of backlash. I think there may or may not be. See, that's the thing. Like, there will be backlash in the people that don't understand the Marvel Universe at all, right? Like, the non-comic book fan is going to be like, wait, what? But I, what I foresee coming out of that is the comic book fans going to those people saying, oh, you, know, you have no idea. you got to go read the comics. This is why. This, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, know. I know that they've said they phase, can play four, to that, right? phase 4 is going to look drastically different. We've heard that Well, that's why I'm times. saying it, because I but. think they're trying to tell you. They've been trying. Disney's been trying to give you that hint that... Everything you think you see is not what it is. They kept, they keep telling you that. I don't know. I just don't. I, I if we'll it's, have to see. You know what? If it's I'm right, I'll say you said it first. You know, I'll be there. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. That my prediction. And I'm is saying that without it. any insider information. Yeah. I'm just going off of what I'm seeing off the trailers, thinking this could be a thing. I mean, that that's the way I'm seeing it. Okay, so let's go to Gary on this one. I got Gary, any this. thoughts on on Endgame? I mean, like, what did you think of the trailer? Do you, what do you think is going on with Scott Lang? I mean. Um, everybody says that Miss Marvel's the one that's going to save everything, or Cat Marvel, or mm-hmm. whatever her name is going to be the one that saves everything. Yeah, but it's going to be Scott Lang. You think? It, you think it'll be Ant Man? Yeah, I think he actually uses that being in the multiverse as a way to get in and out of wherever all these other people are stuck. That's how I think they get them through. What is it, the Reality Stone, or whatever it is that they're stuck in? I think he's able to shrink into the multiverse, go in there, and get them, and get them out. Right. Which what, is cool. Wouldn't it be interesting if what they show us is that when he did the snap and half the life vanished? Yeah. What if that half is in another reality and they think everybody else it's, vanished? Oh, okay. And so we get yeah. to see Peter Parker going, I can't believe Tony's gone. You right. Know, my, my father figure it. You know, all that stuff. And we see both sides of it. And there's, right. And the whole fight is how do we rectify, how do we bring back the realities? Right. Because what if that's what he did? Because now you've got opposing realities, and yeah. how do you bring them back together? What if it's the reality stone that caused the whole thing, and right. what he did is he split into two realities? Yeah. That would be interesting. We'll have debates from now until ever, forever. Well, well now until At least April. until April. <laughs> which you were uh, saying. Which they, I, I'm pretty sure they moved up the date. It was supposed to be the first week in May. May, May 5th. Was uh, to be and May they're year. saying April of 2019. I'm The rumors I'm hearing is it's supposed to be the last weekend in April. Now, is it also because now that they've gone worldwide and that a lot of times releases in China and stuff happen a week before us, right. have they decided, no, we can't do that, there's too many spoilers? I'm, I'm, gotta... I'm thinking they have to do a worldwide release at once. Remember there last year? Has to be... They did this last year. Yep. Avengers moved up a week, yep. because I remember the whole thing where Robert Downey Jr. was texting as Tony Stark, right, right. saying, hey, uh, let's get... Uh, I want to do a special screening of this for, right. for my friends. They go, absolutely, sir. Who would you like to show it to? And he goes, uh, how about everybody? Right. They go, sounds great. Let's move it. Let's do this opening a week. And they right. did it all in character that they announced they moved the opening up a week. Right. I, I think they just did it in the trailer. Yeah. Just to do it and be done with it. It'll be interesting. It's going to be an, an interesting ride, folks. It's a, it's one of the biggest anticipations for a movie I've seen in years. Probably since Empire Strikes Back, I truly believe. I, I don't think I've seen a movie that's had this much buzz behind it. Like... Empire Strikes Back. That's the going, last one I can think yeah, of. Going into Return of the Jedi. Going into Return. Yeah, yeah, like the the buzz coming out of it. Going into Return. That's other than maybe the prequels. Maybe when, when the prequels were hinted at, that was that was gigantic. I mean, come on. It was, but it was over saturation. I think with marketing is what that really pushed us into that. Right. 
Okay, so the last thing we wanted to talk about is all these crazy announcements we've heard about The Mandalorian and cast of Mandalorian, who's in The Mandalorian TV show. And what's really weird is it's like io9 is telling you pretty much every rumor you've heard is totally true. <laughs> so it is official. It's official now that Pedro Pascal is the lead show. Uh, he is joined by Gina Carano, Carl Weathers, and Nick Nolte. Yep. Now, we had to go look up some of these guys. It was kind of like, whoa, who are these guys? Uh, okay. You had work up. Yeah, I knew right, well, who Carl Weathers was. <laughs> all right, Carl Fair Weathers. Here. All right, so up front, Carl Weathers, I knew it was Creed, you know, um, from all the Rocky movies ever. Yeah. And Nick Nolte. I mean, I think everybody knows who Nick Nolte is. But then we started He's getting the into... Hulk's dad. Come on. <laughs> and, and Carl Weathers was in The Predator. True. Carl, I, yeah, I forgot I, about that. I right. just want yeah, yeah. one of those hand clap scenes between yeah. him and the Mandalorian <laughs> with the big bulging muscle. Right, 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 right. That's what yeah, I want. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And Gina Carano, <laughs> now that I know that she's the girl that played against yep. opposite of... Uh, Deadpool Colossus. Fight. Right, Deadpool's yeah. Colossus. Now I know who she is. Sure, now I know who she is. Now they're getting joined by Werner Herzog, yep. who is a big deal, yes. apparently. If Werner Herzog, if, for people who know him, which a lot of people do, he's a direct, mostly, a, he's done a lot of acting, but he's mostly known as a director, especially of documentaries. But he acts. He's a very interesting character, and yeah. he's very out there in a lot of stuff he does. So that's kind of a neat addition. Which I gotta admit, I had. No idea who the guy was. That that was that was kind of a new one for me. Also joined in that cast, according to IO9, is Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito. Now it's weird because they were like, "Oh yeah, Breaking Bad," and I was like, "I don't, I don't know anybody from Breaking Bad." That's right, I've never seen this. So sorry. But then I went to IMDb and I looked him up. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this guy has been in." He knew him from, he knew him from the Electric Company. He's the, apparently, well, first off, he sung the Electric Company theme song. Right, he sang apparently, the Electric what, Company theme that's song. That's what it said anyway. And that was before uh, his time, even. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the best part. Well, I I watched the reruns of Electric <laughs> Company. I'm sorry, I did. I grew up on it. I can't help it. And he voiced a character in Jungle Book, so he's worked with Favreau. Right. He was in Better Call Saul. Of course, that's all tied up into all the other Breaking things. Bad. He was in Once Upon a Time. So for those people that watched that, yes, I actually did the stint on the Once Upon a Time podcast. You all know that. And he uh, was the Magic Mirror in Once Upon a Time. Uh, and and as I went farther back, it was like wow, all these things. Revolution. And then it was Revolution that I was like, oh my gosh, yes, he was the general on the TV show Revolution. Which, by the way, if you've never watched that TV show, it is amazing. Like I loved that show. And right beneath Got that, I just on noticed it. on IMDb, he was Raz Al right in voice, voice of in, in one of the animated shows for uh, Son of Batman. He he voiced Raz Al Ghul. He, he did, actually did a couple of different voices in uh, Batman's. Oh, was did it? he? Yeah. yeah okay. He's been in Law and Orders, which like everybody under the sun's ever been in a Law and Order, I swear. And so he's done a lot of things: Homicide, Life in the Street. He's been all, you know, he's he's had a pretty storied career. So it was kind of cool to see that he's on the cast now. And we get Emily Swallow, which I gotta admit, I, I still to this point really don't know her for much. But for those who are into those shows, she was on Castlevania as Lisa. Yeah, Tepps. in fact, right now it's its second season just came out on Netflix. Right, and, and Tepes. Tepes? Tepes? Sorry. Tepes. Not Tepes. Okay. And she's... She was... What was the other one? Mentalist. She was in The Mentalist as Kim Fisher. She's in Supernatural. She's in Supernatural as Amara. Um, I'm not even sure. Karin? Is that Kareen? Is that how you say it? The Darkness, whatever that is from the TV show. Um, she was in Southland. So, you know, it's kind of some Jer- interesting She played things. a nurse in Jericho. Yeah. She played... If you watched the Jericho TV series, apparently she was a nurse on there. And then Omid Abtahi, I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly, and he, according to the article, was on American Gods. 
Now, as we looked him up, we found him kind of interesting because oh, of yes. all the background he has. Uh, he's definitely a voiceover actor. Just to give you an idea, some of the games he's been in have been Titanfall, Call of Duty. He has been he appeared in Family Guy as a voiceover, but he right. also Diablo three. He also voiced a character in the Clone Wars TV show. A Mandalorian sniper, ironically. <laughs> Uh, he was also in the 24 TV series, if you watch that. He was Safa, who was the guy from um, South Africa that was working with... Uh, oh, who was always the main character? Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. Well, no, it wasn't Jack Ryan. It was Kiefer Sutherland's character, but I can't remember the character's name now. Jack something, wasn't it? I thought it was Jack something. Hang on, I'm going to look I never watched now. that show, so I only, oh. I only know it from the memes. The the last three seasons, I totally... Jack Bauer. Like, Jack, well, Jack Bauer, thank you. Oh, that's right. Uh, the last three seasons, I got totally hooked in, into 24. I, I couldn't help it. My wife even thought it was crazy because I was like, oh, yes, much watch more. You know, so he's been in a lot of stuff, but he's definitely is a voiceover actor more than anything, which makes me wonder, is he going to be an alien? Like, he you could know, be an alien. He could be a Mandalorian who never takes his mask off. And he goes that's by a voice. possibility. Yep. Like, be a voice. Or he could even be the voiceover of Pedro Pascal. Maybe I think maybe Pedro's while the helmet's on, you know, but I would think Pedro would do it, but you never know. Also, we noticed the writing credits, and yeah, in the writing credits, they're being written, executive produced by John Favreau, and will debut on the upcoming Disney Channel service Disney Plus. So Favreau's writing and producing. But if you go to IMDb, right, according to IMDb, eight episodes. It says John Favreau is the creator and has written eight episodes. Also, also writing as a writing credit on eight episodes. episodes is George Lucas. To me, that's big. That's huge. And then on top of it, you got Dave Filoni directing an episode, Deborah Chow, an unknown number of episodes, uh, Rick Fumayua, I'm not quite sure who he is, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Taika Watiti. I mean, that's not a small cast of directors they, either. This show has got some major power behind it. And some serious money going into it. Like, when I'm looking at the... I mean, Kathleen Kennedy's an executive producer. Colin Wilson, Karen Gilchrist, Filoni, Favreau. I mean, like, these are not small names in the industry. These are not small names for Disney. These are not small names, period. So let me ask you guys. Do you think now, based on all this information we're getting, is The Mandalorian the anchor to the new Disney streaming service? Is it? I mean, are we really truly looking at this show being the thing that drives the Disney Plus service. If it's nothing like the animated shows, it's the anchor. Because <laughs> it has this, to be, right? This is the must-see for Star Wars fans. Yeah. I, well, I kind of agree with you there. And for me, it becomes a must The George Lucas thing becomes a must-see for me. Because people, there are prequel haters and what have you. I still am more of a fan, I'm going to say it, of the prequels in general in terms of ideas, themes, and overall feel. Yes, the acting was wooden and all that, but... It introduced things like the rule of two, right. that Darth was a title, not a name. Right. The, the th all the things we take for granted now in the Star Wars universe were introduced in those prequels. This is the idea man, George Lucas, telling the story the way he meant it. That feeling has been missing for me from Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Him coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to write stories and tell stories that happened after Return of the Jedi almost seems like Disney saying, okay, we realize our universe isn't going in the right direction movie-wise, but this TV show can tell what George Lucas always wanted to tell happened after Jedi. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, they can bring back all the stuff that he wanted to do that he didn't get to. And to make it a thing. And squeeze it in there before The Force Awakens. So that's got me wicked excited. 
Okay. Garrett, you think this is a good choice, having George come in and work with the cast here? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great idea. Do you think they should advertise that? Because, like, it hasn't been advertised yet. They're, it's not well, even in discussion. We haven't had much advertising at all. I think they're, they're, they're holding their cards until they've got a bit more in the tank. And, let's face it, Star Wars Celebration in Chicago in, like, three and a half months. Yeah, I have to admit, they'll probably have some sort of major Yeah, because they're saying this is coming out at the end of 2019, probably. We're probably getting this sometime November, December next year. Mm -hmm. So, a good six-month lead-out with Star Wars Celebration, it's perfect timing to start the Media Blitz. Do you think George shows up at Celebration? Yes. Now I'm seeing him here, I don't think there's any way George Lucas does not... I think Favreau and Lucas do a joint major Yeah, announcement together. At at the show, and they give the first footage. Yeah, I think that's the... he has to be a surprise guest, yeah. and Favreau has to bring him on the stage, and that's, I think that's how it's going to have to happen. How awesome would it be if they bring George back, let Favreau do the the Avengers thing to Star Wars, start it, and hand it to George? You mean the Iron Man, the the, the Marvel? Well, Universe that's what I'm saying. The, yeah. the, 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 sorry, the Avengers thing they did, right. do that to Star Wars and hand it back to George. I'd love to see George come back to it. I'm sorry, I would. I know people will say, "Oh, so glad he's gone." No. I do you think that would work, Gary? Is is that a, a plausible thing to have happen to bring George back into the fold? Do you think? Yeah, but uh, will George actually come and stay though? That, that's that's a thing. Yeah, this could be him dabbling, but I think I think he probably after he sold it and he gave him their ideas and they didn't go with his ideas. I think for something that you have that much ownership of, since you're like yep. you know early twenties until. You know, you're in your 60s or whatever. You're, you're building. And then to see it changed. I think there's a strong desire, if you're given that opportunity again, to say, I'm not messing this up again. I'm going to do what I wanted to do. Do you think this is maybe the early signs of George kind of feeling like it was a whoops to sell to Disney and he's trying to make up for it? I think maybe? I, I, would, I would not put it past that that's definitely going on behind the scenes, yeah. that he feels that way. And I don't think he wants to own it again. I'm being honest. I don't think he wants to own Star Wars. I think there's too much other stuff there yeah i think he'd be really happy to just be a director just come in or direct or produce and that's it walk away you know be a rick mccollum you know what i mean well the way and and let somebody else worry about all the other stuff right the fact that he's writing but not directing is exactly where he needs to be like with empire and jedi he's the idea man telling the universe the way he it's his universe right come on right telling it the way he imagined it and letting other people then bring their skills to tell that story I'm actually kind of excited for The Mandalorian now. I mean, now that we're seeing this cast, this excessively talented crew, before I was kind of, like, on the fence about, like, man, I hope they don't mess this up. Man, I hope they don't screw this up. And I know it's Jon Favreau, but, gosh, I hope, you know, like, they don't foobar it somehow, like they've done with a lot of the cartoons. And yet, when I look now at all this, I'm like, how could they possibly mess it up? Oh, don't say that. And if they don't do, if they do now, now I'm kind of like, at that point, it's a dead horse. Shoot it. Yeah. Like, this, seriously. Well, this, that's the thing. This series better reinvigorate every yeah. Star Wars fan. I mean, I, feel, I better feel like I'm watching a Star Wars movie every I, week. I agree with you. you know, I agree with you. A one-hour Star Wars movie. That's just awesome. And if it's more of a, like a half-done, half-baked version of, I don't know, Battlestar Galactica version of Star Wars, I'm out. Like, I can't keep doing this and watching my <laughs> my thing that I saw as a kid suddenly fall apart. What do you mean? I'm. What are you laughing at? Let my out. I'm out. You're um, a half-assed Battlestar Galactica version. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Come on, like <laughs> that's still better than the last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, but this would that would be the thing to me 
as as even as much as I didn't hate the last jedi the weird thing is the more i'm watching it this sounds dumb but the more i watch last jedi the more i don't like it yeah and it's weird because i was the other way with force awakens i didn't like it at first but the more i've watched it the more i'm kind of getting into it and i like it but then the latest one is like the other way around the more i I watch it the more i hate it this is why i think that movie was designed by a director who does a good job at pulling your emotional strings it had those welling moments it had those beats to try and at least emotionally grab you you know oh my god there's luke doing whatever there's you know there's the fight with kylo there's the big epic with snow you know you feel these emotional touches when he puts those moments in but then when you logically watch him a second time you start going wait that doesn't make sense doesn't make sense yeah why is what about the thing what are they forgetting this doesn't it doesn't tie in with the early and the more you get past that emotional early response and put and you think about it more, which is what Star Wars fans do. They'll think about movies forever. It doesn't hold up for me. And you know what movie gets better every time I'm watching it now? Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. I no, I'm that. serious. Yeah. Every time I watch it now, I, I'm getting more and more into the movie going, actually, it's not that bad. Like, I'm, I i shouldn't even say not that bad. It's actually... It's good. It's a pretty good movie, yeah, you know? It got, like, got a bum rap. I really... I, yeah. What, what, what I think Disney needs to do is stop doing the trilogy... Yeah, I agree with you. And do standalones. Yeah. <laughs> like, why don't, they, why don't they just do that? Better do standalones movies. all the time. No more yeah. trilogies. Just get rid of the yeah. trilogy. Look at all of them as standalones. And you well, that's look the thing. At Once they're done with number nine and they finish the story of the Skywalkers. Right. Which, I'm sorry, Ryan Johnson, that's what the trilogies were meant to be. It right. was a nine-episode arc, the story of the Skywalkers. Right. You know, I don't think that they need to tell that story anymore and i think they can branch out into more individualized stories but i still think they needed to stick with that to finish the nine yeah yeah and of course the only skywalker (laughs) left it's like i said to people before it's like you don't tell the harry potter novels and then in book six decide to go now we're gonna focus on uh ron because (laughs) you know it's not harry's story we got to talk about other people no No, we're not gonna focus on ron we're gonna focus on this guy who has no important parents but we're gonna make him really important it's like no, suddenly it's going after Hagrid, not even Ron. Like yeah. somebody's as obscure as you can get. No, it's just okay. Halfway through the the, the story, they're going to go on Malfoy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, I like, agree. Yeah, it, it yeah. really you can't. It's it's okay that it's the story of one person or one family because that's the story. Right. <laughs> Okay, so those were our thoughts on a lot of different subjects, and I'm sure you have your thoughts too. Send it over to galaxycast.com. Uh, let, let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. And again, we talked about Jason Momoa performing the Haka. We talked about Bumblebee, the new movie. And not only that, but man, they actually used the Transformers uh, sound effect, which was really cool. Uh, we uh, talked about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We talked about Marvel Studios Avengers 4, the Endgame trailer, and then we talked about the cast of The Mandalorian. So all of that in our packed episode already. And we're going to be back in just a little bit. We're going to watch the next episode to us of Star Wars Resistance, and hopefully they're getting better. They're going to watch. I'm going to take a nap. Probably. (laughs) Gary's going to watch the back of his eyelids. So we're hoping it's getting better. We'll be back in just a little bit. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. 
Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Hi, I'm Darth Harrington of Darth Harrington's Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids Emporium and Moonbase. Due to a garbled subspace transmission, I am currently overstocked on all intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids, and I am passing the savings on to you! The future is now. The future is in the cloud. Cloud computing. What's cloud computing? Imagine a computer you share with everyone. Imagine your private data spread around the world, being shared equally with everyone. It's the cloud. I'm in the cloud. It's utopia. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Imagine instead of your own computer, it's a giant one we all share together. Your data is safe. It's in the cloud. Everyone's in the cloud. Live life surrounded by the mists of time with Cumulonimbus Computing. The cloud is hard to describe. You can't see when you're in it. And when you get close, it disappears. Where'd the cloud go? Now, when your data is damaged, you don't need to fire the IT department. You can fire the Internet. You're fired, Internet. We've taken the metaphor to extremes. Because when you're in the cloud, lightning won't strike. It's Cumulonimbus Computing. Huh? I'm really in the clouds. You're in the clouds now. This portion of the show is being brought to you by our mystery sponsor, a product that is so good that they're paying us to keep anyone from associating it with this program. Remember, if for any reason you must leave your radio, please have the man at the door stamp your ear so you can listen again later. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Canada. The only universe with deluxe crowd control stormtroopers with thruster pack and capture claw. Han Solo geared up with smuggler flight pack. And Luke Skywalker with big battle action desert skin. And only Kenner brings you the full force and big detail of the Rebel Snowspeeder with blazing laser lights. And big movie sounds. Now you're playing with the power. Star Wars, power of the force. Figures come with vehicles. No speeders sold separately. Batteries not included. From Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review the latest episode to us of Star Wars Resistance titled The High Tower. Of course, every time I read that, all I can think of is High Tower from Police Academy. Yeah. I don't know why, Lieutenant Hightower. So, pretty much, you know, it's funny because we read these things off this tvmaze.com website. I love their synopsis here. The First Order arrives at the platform for mysterious reasons, and Kaz and BB-8 are determined to sneak into the tower to find out what they want. That's it. We're good. 
I'm out. I mean, that is your entire review of the episode. That's pretty much so whatever happened in the episode. So we start off the episode with the idea that the power is going out in the station. And it's interesting that the power is going out because they don't give you any reasons. We just know that the power is being lost. You know, what would power a station like this? What do you guys think is actually doing I would think, the power? Uh, I would think that in a, in a world full of high technology on an ocean, you'd have things underwater that would just churn right? like generators with the natural flow of the ocean water and power it infinitely. Or even if you weren't doing that, like, wouldn't you think solar power could potentially keep this station going for a pretty a decent long time? But once again, fuel <laughs> is another plot. Why is that a thing in the Star Wars universe? Like, fuel is an issue. A huge issue in the Star Wars universe for some reason. What what, what I would have done is had some type of water separator between the atoms and all that and burn mm-hmm. the hydrogen. Yeah, there I mean, you go. They, they've got that. They could have a goddamn wind farm. <laughs> True. Of, of just slightly You're out off, in the middle of the ocean, the breezes, right? Picking up breezes or whatever. The there should be wind farm fans all around this. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get why they need to bring fuel in. The, the big fans underwater, because the water has to be, have a current. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Water generators, yeah. there's all sorts of stuff. Uh, so yet again, there's something there that just doesn't make sense in the overall schema of the but, entire episode. But I'm still waiting for a giant space whale. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll happen one of these days. And then all of a sudden, we're going to need to go back in time in order to find some and bring them back. Oh, wait, that's Star Trek. Oh, sorry. Well, uh, well, the space pilot is going to come in with being piloted by an A-wing pilot. There you, there you go. With a bunch of spiders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, He's going to go, no, I'm back! If the, space wing, if the space whale comes, you know, shooting back, it's going to be being uh, ridden by... Ezra? No, what's his name? Oh, my God. Yeah, Thrawn. Thrawn. <laughs> He's going to be on top. Yeah! With, with a trident. Yeah! A trident. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be riding it like a like a nuclear bomb going. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, so power goes out in the station, and of course now nobody has anything to do. So what do we all do? Go to the bar. Go to the local bar, which by the way has power. Off and on. Still, it, it does cut out. It does cut out, and eventually in the episode it cuts completely well, they, out. They said, but why does the bar have power when nobody else does? No, that's not true. They didn't say that all power was gone. They said they were going to be rationing power. So I guess that's true. Get, certain parts don't, and it. The apparently the bar has to have power well, when nobody else does. <laughs> you got to keep people going somehow. <laughs> well, well may, maybe they're burning their alcohol in their own generator. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. They got five this dozen uh, droids in the back room pedaling bikes, just like keeping <laughs> generators going as fast as they can. <laughs> this is sad when we have to come up with reasons like this to explain the episode. So, but, but what I really think is funny is the voice of Dozer. Doza. Doza? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the name? Yeah, Jason Hightower. Yeah. And the title of the episode is The, the Hightower. Tower. And considering and I'm sorry, it's... I, I'm, I keep hearing Doza, yeah. but I'm not hearing Doza. I'm hearing, hearing Dozer. And I keep thinking of Fraggle Rock. And, <laughs> and I'm Gary, like, oh, they're building stuff. You're, you're thinking of... Gozer. <laughs> Gozer the Gozerian. I am the gatekeeper. <laughs> Are you the key master? Anyway. So... <laughs> So all that's going on, and, and they go to the local bar, and they basically decide, what, that all this is happening because Doza is in line with the Resistance? Well, they, is that the there's assumption? There's reports that there are First Order ships coming in at night. Right. And so they're wondering how much he's involved with the First Order. Right. And that they're kind of just back and forth, theoretically, plan- wondering that when Hype Phazon shows up. Right. All of a sudden, 
uh, Hype Faison shows up. He's supposedly a big deal pilot that everybody wants to, he's you know, talk with. Um, all I could think of when I saw Hype Faison was he's got to be the the Gordon, the <laughs> Jeff Gordon of their racing Basically. realm. Because he thinks nothing, you know, nothing of his can be wrong. He's he's never wrong. Well, he's, he's got sponsors on his clothing for really. sure. But I mean, like he's also hyped up. It's kind of yeah. interesting too that his name is Hype Faison. Well, it was perfect. Well, you know, Faison is actually the name of the actor who does the voice. Oh, really? He was shocked. It's the guy from. He's from uh, Scrubs. Scrubs. He's the guy. Oh, from Scrubs. that's right, right. His name is Faison, and when he found yeah. out, they named the character after they him. They named it after he's him. He's like, what? Yeah, and they thought he thought that was cool, and then they call it hype because they just you know the way Star Wars names things. Right, that's kind of a it's kind of an inline name for Star Wars. I don't have yeah. a problem with that, that name. No, I don't have a problem with the name. I just thought it was interesting <laughs> the hype phase on name. So he's all hyped up, and he talks about the Star Wars re- you know, the Resistance coming in and first pe- order, or first order, excuse me, coming in and, and, and possibly talking with with Captain Doza. But he keeps so, saying I'm not part of that. Right. So then we go to a commercial break, and we come back and. We have the the first order landing, yes. so it, it, that was kind of an interesting segue, I thought. And for the first time, we see Major Von Rigg, which I thought is an interesting. I I like this character so far. There's a lot of mystery behind the character. He keeps his helmet on. It's a good, so we, vo- it's a good voice. Good voice. Lex Lang is voicing the guy. I like the red, the helmet. I cool. love the costume. I really like. O- only problem I got with him, he's a pencil neck. Oh yeah, he's got that really yeah. thin neck thing yeah. going on. You mean? Yep. Yeah. And it does well, seem Fred, weird. Fred Blassie wouldn't like him, that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> it does it does seem weird that he doesn't quite fit in in that regard. Like it's kind of kind of a weird drawing, I guess, of the character, but he seems very domineering, I guess, controlling of any situation, I guess is the best way to put it. And so I kind of like the character in that regard. And there's kind of this mystery around him. He's almost bubbethetish in that way. A little bit. A lot he, of, a lot he's of not mystery. as cool, but Right. So, of course he lands and <laughs> Kaz makes the dumb mistake of in front of Niku saying, "Man, we should find out why they're here." So what does Niku do? He I'm going to ask them. Right, he's just literally going to go ask him. Now, early on in the episode, we didn't talk about this. They were messing around with the two communicators, and of course, Eric's like, "Well, there you go. There's our foreshadowing." Well, and immediately they got close to each other, and there was a right. massive feedback. Yep. I said, "Okay." My thought was they were going to use it with the helmets and cause yeah, feedback in the helmet. That's what I thought they were going to do. Something along those lines. And so, like you said kind of surprised they didn't go that route but it was a nice surprise to an extent because yeah. it didn't quite work out that way it so was, it was too much of a foreshadowing to not be something right right so it, that's one of the problems with these cartoons the all the cartoon variations we've been getting since clone like clone wars never really was heavy-handed it told good stories right but ever since rebels and now with resistance they're getting more heavy-handed with their storytelling with their foreshadowing with their characters kind of a broad canvas of the way they approach things and it's bothering those things bother me a bit do you think they're doing it though because this generation of kids needs that kind of i don't know almost in the face foreshadowing or they don't get it i I don't know i think they're smarter than that i I I don't know i think this is a this is a i work with a lot of these kids in school you'd be surprised i mean like they don't get book foreshadowing a lot Hmm. they don't they really they struggle with foreshadowing and And maybe they know something we don't some skills that that we struggle with or that we don't struggle with they totally struggle with and foreshadowing seems to be one of the skills that they don't get very well and i'm wondering if tv shows are part of the issue they don't foreshadow enough or they're too obvious with the foreshadowing and maybe that that's well something else i've always hated in terms of the cartoon acting is like when kaz is trying to get away from the group he Mm. fakes that BB-8 needs to be recharged. Right. They do that over parody 
face and voice acting selling it like, uh, oh, yeah, I have to go and charge it. It's like it's so yeah. overdone. They can't make it more subtle where he goes, BB-8's running out of power. I got to go charge him right. you know, and keep it. It's like they, they feel the need to over-telegraph every emotion. But and does, I just feel like it's it's too, doesn't that it's too fit much. in with every other Disney TV show though? Maybe it does. But like it think about that, it, you know. But it overdoes it for me. Oh no, I agree with you. And I'm they, saying and they didn't do that in Clone Wars. You wouldn't no, you're see right. you wouldn't see Ben Kenobi being like, oh, I'm I'm gonna go over here. And, you know, he wouldn't. Right. He didn't. He didn't act like that. He just they just acted like the characters. <laughs> I agree. You know? and it's, I agree. So long story short, Kaz manages to get himself invited into the Aces Lounge in the yes. tower. In the high tower. With Tam. Yeah, okay. It's Tam, yeah. Rivora. Right. So, Tam, anyway. So, what we get is he gets invited up there with Tam. Right. And I like the bit of backstory they give between Tam and Hype, that these two used to be good friends. Right. And, obviously, when one got more successful, he grew. they kind of grew apart. And they don't overplay that too much. They no, don't. I agree with you. That they just told. And, to me, I was saying this off-air before we got in and reviewed the second half... Things like that make me feel like I at least understand these characters and know mm-hmm. them better than I almost ever felt like I knew the cast of Rebels after four seasons. Right. I still didn't feel like I knew them, but I'm feeling, at least with these characters, I feel like I know them a little better. So they're doing that at least marginally well. Well, like I told you guys, I feel like I at least remember a majority of the people here. Like, I, I remember our main characters, all the people that we need to know. You know, it's not like I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, who's that character's name? You know, at least Kaz, I can remember. Kazuto, I can remember. You know, it's... it's. I'll admit there's little people. Niku is going to be the one... I, I'll never forget Niku. <laughs> I don't know why. There's something about him that I like that kind of hangs in my head. But, yeah. Bucket. Bucket. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't forget Bucket. And, you know, Aunt Z. It takes me a while sometimes to remember that she's the bartender. But, you know, over time, I've gotten to know these characters, and I still feel like I know them, and I'm not forgetting who they are. I mean, we were forgetting... Zeb and all these names that we had from Star Wars Rebels, I still forget some of them. Yeah. And I'm remembering these characters at least better. So they're making an impression at least. So they get into this lounge. Now, I gotta admit, like going from the city into the lounge, like for those people who are watching the episode, like turn the brightness down on your TV because holy cow. Pure white. Pure white from what was really dark part of the episode. And we had all the lights on down here. Normally turn them off. And I was kind of like, oh wow, like a powerful, like moment like my it took my eyes i don't know if you guys had the problem but like my eyes had to i felt like it was overwashed for about 30 seconds yeah adjusted like to it. yeah then like i got to, it so your eyes could adjust to that change it was a pretty massive change the, the light kept me awake <laughs> maybe <laughs> that was, was a problem for gary that's what dilated dilated his, his uh, pupils or whatever the tower is where gary needs to be if he wants to stay awake <laughs> if he wants for, to stay awake for resistance so kaz decides to while they're talking to hype, hype he decides to take off and like figure out what's going on with the first order now he does something interesting here you know he he puts the com link he sneaks it onto a tray onto a tray of is taking in like food that's going up to the actual i guess it's a drink that's going upstairs kind of smart actually i was like wow okay that worked for me that yeah that's kind of nice was, i thought he was just going to go into the room with the robot Right, that's you what know, I thought too. And then sneak to a side and right. listen in. And right. I'm glad they didn't do that. Right, I'm actually kind of glad they didn't either because that would have been he'd have been he should have been caught. And he, yeah. Considering the last episode, we're in the same dang room with all the bad guys, and like <laughs> somehow he doesn't get caught. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him that he's like behind a fern. Right. Yeah. They don't see me. 
He's behind the blinds with his feet sticking out below or something. <laughs> he's got the same power that De- Dra- uh, Drax has. What's that? You know, if I don't move, they don't see me? Exactly. He moves so slow. <laughs> invisible. So, so long story short, he listens in on what I consider to be a pretty major conversation between uh, Captain Doza and Major Von Rigg, where basically Von Rigg's saying, hey, come to join us. You yeah. know, He's time making to, a pretty clear offer. Yeah, that, that he wants the station to be part of the, the, the First, First Order. Order. And Doza's trying to push back a little bit, at least as much as he can at this point, and, you know, trying to hold off the First Order. Um, I don't know how much longer that's going to be able to I mean, to he tries happen. to threaten that I can report you to the... To the, the resistance, yeah. No, not to the, to the whole... The, the New Republic. The New, the new Republic, Republic, that's I could right. I report them. Right. And they said, well, we could report... Which I found funny. They could report them to the New Republic for all their piracy that they right. allow to happen. I'm like... I don't think the First Order is going to report anything to the Republic. If they go and talk to the Republic, right, like, they're going to be like, we're going to kill you, you're the First Order. Well, I'd love to see that <laughs> meeting where, like, you know, like, uh, they're stealing all our power. Oh, yeah? Well, they've got a bunch of pirates. You know, like, that's all I could picture is, is like, the meeting. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I, it was interesting to, to at least hear the discussion there. Yeah. Because basically the First Order was starting to cut off their power. And I was sitting there thinking, fuel, deliver- right. fuel deliveries, fuel, fuel could, deliveries be could be limited, and we could cut your power. And I was kind of like, hey, you know, this is how you break an enemy down. You cut the power, you cut their supplies, you control everything, and then you make them do what you want them to do. And I was kind of like, okay, at least somebody with a like a military tactic mind is writing that part of the But part now of the we come back to the major question of the series. Okay. Why is it important for anyone to have this single station sitting on an ocean? What is it about this station that's so important? There's, if there's not anything there, then right. they're, they're, they're not thinking this series through. Because the fact that the, the Resistance wants to send spies in there to figure out why the First Order is interested in the play, there's what's going on there that's so important? Well, and maybe that's how they're trying to create some intrigue here. They're just trying to get you to think about, like, why would they be after this lonely space station that's got racers? I think there's something else going on here. Something nefarious below deck, below the ocean, whatever. Maybe it's a big source of, I don't know, crystals for Jedi lightsabers or, right. no, I don't know, dilithium crystals or whatever. But My theory? What's that? It's a cloning facility. I'm thinking the same thing, too, because remember, the clones lived below the surface of the water. Yep, on Camino. Yep, on Camino. So why wouldn't they potentially have a cloning facility underneath this facility? And you know what they're facility? cloning? What's that? They're cloning space whales. <laughs> For fuel. For fuel. For fuel. <laughs> okay, so because, moving along with the story. Because we needed fuel for everything. Even yes. even The Last Jedi needed, needed fuel. Yeah, everybody yeah. was running out of fuel there, too. Everybody's got fuel problems. Except for the res- uh, First Order. No, they got, they're, they got tons of reserves. Well, they're like the Saudi Arabia of Star Wars. I, yeah. guess, I guess so. Yeah, they're OPEC. <laughs> they are. They control everybody else's fuel reserves. So long story short, the robot comes down the stairs along... Well, the First Order comes down first. Robot comes down the stairs, and like Eric, you like totally predicted it, and I knew it was going to happen too. Robot turns, two, reco- two comlinks. comlinks are close together. They get feedback. feedback, and of course, Kaz is now on the run from the First Order. And of course, he runs all over the place, and he ends up in the quarters of Doza's daughter, Tora. 
And that I thought but was we haven't seen in a number of episodes. since like the second episode or something crazy. Which like that. I also mentioned this was the first time we'd seen a number of the racers even briefly, right? Up in the uh, the tower there, and it was all the people that we talked about. We would see eventually, like the Tie Fighter guy with the Tie yeah, Fighter yeah. helmet. We saw There's a girl, a woman girl, up there, right? That we red. said we would see later, which we had not seen prior to this. I still, I'm surprised. Her name's Freya Fenris. Yeah, we're four episodes in, and we know very little about these characters yet. And I thought these would be the driving characters behind the series and they're taking their time in doling them out and maybe that's a good thing that may be a good thing i actually think it is they may be creating interest in in that regard at least anyway i thought it was interesting that he ends up in torah's quarters and there's all these things in the background that i just (laughs) like grabbed my attention i I was totally well i mean it's gary gary's taught me to look at the background of everything i ever watch and, of course, I immediately saw the Ewok teddy bear yeah. that's sitting at the end of her bed. Of course, I wanted to frickin' say that whole thing. Slice noodles. Slice noodles from the Slice Noodles band. <laughs> he was a stuffed animal in the room. I thought it was interesting that Taurus' concern was not about the First Order, her father, and or no, not anything, but your father's going to find you in here. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking, this is like teenage love kind of thing. Well, like, that's why she thought Dad's he was gonna there. going to see you, right? She, she says, I know why you're here. You right. think that I'm over, you know, you took my friendship for something else. And he's like, right. I did? And there's a knock at the door. <laughs> right, yeah. So I thought that was funny. And I thought her first reaction was to open the window and throw him out. <laughs> which I thought was funny. And then the next scene was actually kind of funny, too. So here's Kaz being stuck on a, a ledge. And at the bar, they can see him. Yes. Being that, stuck on the ledge. The bar scene to me got better and better because rather than people acting scared or nervous for him, right. they start they're betting cheering. he's going to die. Well, they're going to bet that he's going <laughs> to die, and they're cheering, or they're, they're you know, yeah. certain people wanted him to die, others didn't. So I just thought that was that whole, that was a great way to play that scene up. It was, because it showed that, in a funny way, it showed how people don't really care. He's not the right. hero that everyone... You know, they haven't made him the center point of the mo- of the show yet. He's right. not this person that everyone roots for or wants to be behind. He's just another character. He's not there. really like a Luke Skywalker yeah, and type. They're, and, they're, and they're treating him that way. They're like, oh, let's, oh, there's a, we know him, but he might die. Okay, let's bet on it. it right. I, I thought that was well done. Yeah, and I thought Nico's reactions to everything. Oh, look, he must be having fun. <laughs> you know, like, I, I thought the the funniest moment in the entire thing for me was when people start betting and cheering and like, okay, and Nico raises his hands to like cheer it on and then looks at the girl and she's like giving him a dirty look and he's like oh that's right i shouldn't be excited about this. yeah tam he tam look gives him this look like what are you doing like what's wrong with you hey you're still alive <laughs> and then i thought the only poorly directed part of this whole episode was the first order troopers the coming video, out trying game. to shoot him the yeah platformer. which i said looks like a video game waiting to happen oh it totally was him running around trying not to get shot why do they have these platforms built along the wall like that so you can have a video game (laughs) i just said that (laughs) but you're right it made no sense having these weird platforms and then of course the savior of it all bb8 opening a door and i kind of saw that coming too yeah the sonic screwdriver yeah the sonic screwdriver i did notice the little animation though that when uh chaz hugged bb8 bb8 like tilted his head yeah i thought that was kind of you know yeah I was kind of sitting there thinking that was kind of like there were a couple times that you know when I had my BB-8 out at events, the kids would would like hug him and I'd lean him into yeah. the kid a little bit and I was kind of like oh look at that well, I was that, doing it right. You that know? leads me to two times this episode like up till this point I've only seen BB-8 kind of just be like shaking his head at right. all of it's Kaz right not Chaz Kaz Kaz, Kaz. Yeah. 
at all of Kaz's ac- actions. Yeah. And, you know, kind of just being like, well, I'm along for this, but, you know, not, not getting along with Not well. willingly, yeah. But in this episode, not only did he fake running out of power to have right. to go with his lie, <laughs> he then does that moment. And res- it feels like they're at least being more of a team. Interconnecting a Interconnecting little bit. Interconnecting a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So long story short, they get out of the tower. Yep. And they get Safely back. back to the hangar. To the hangar. And that's... The First Order comes up and tries to talk to Doza. Right. And say, well, you had a spy. And she says, no, it was just a friend of mine who got lost up here. And to cover for his daughter, right. he says to the First Order, just get out of here. How dare you falsely accuse someone. Right, right. So long story short, we get back to the station. Power gets restored. Of course, everybody thanks Doza and you know for for doing his job, and Niku's happy because he gets to work again at full power and everything. But then there's this this at the very end this this last scene where Doza's looking at a picture of Kaz video, um, video surveillance video surveillance trying to figure out who Kaz might be. Yeah. So what do you think Doza's concern is with Kaz? Well, he, he's he, a spy and he's heard he, something. He clearly knows that his daughter was kind of making up a lie. He just went along with her right. at that moment. But he clearly knows that, that whoever this is, he's here for another reason. I think he's trying to start figuring it out. Okay. All right. So I guess, how'd you guys feel about this episode? Like as far as quality, as far as the, the storyline, everything in this episode, do you guys like it? Do you not like it? Well, it was, de- it was a lot better than some of the uh, previous episodes. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give it a three. <laughs> um, Is that your official rating? You're going to yes. give it a three? Yes, okay. that's my official rating. We're, we're going to do our zero to ten. Zero to don't bother. Ten being a must-see. The only reason why I'm giving it a three okay. is we got to see the other pilots. Okay. And the, the shots with the, the uh, aces bringing in the, the space whale. And, yeah. And... Um, and all that. That's what I liked about the whole thing. Yeah. The rest of it, meh. Okay. Eric, Eric, what would you rate this one? I'll go higher. I'm going to go like a six. Okay. I can't give it like marks up into the eights and nines or even seven to say, wow, this is exciting. You really got to get into it. Right. It moved the story along. It had some humorous moments. It never overplayed its hand too right. much. I mean, we had the, the foreshadowing that was a bit too strong and the acting, which was, like I said, that bit too much of a grand parody acting so it really conveyed the lie or the joke or whatever mm-hmm. but overall they set up some neat moments i liked the idea of sneaking in the the com which i didn't think how he would use it i i liked uh but I, I liked a number of things like that however when you look at the overall episode how much did we learn the entire episode was really he, he overhears something i mean right. that was the entire episode was kaz overhears the first order saying hey to doza team up with us i mean that was it everything else is kind of filler to stretch it out into a half hour of telling the point he overheard something right it it didn't i didn't feel like there's again a story progression that warrants this half hour i mean we're we're four five episodes in now right um and in those five episodes i still don't feel like anything much has happened we've had a little racing we've met some characters and we had a little more racing, and Kaz did some stupid stuff, and we had a little more racing that we're not, we're not even in. We're just watching from the platform. We're not even seeing right. the actual whole race or getting a sense of drama of it. And now the First Order showed up. Five episodes in, the First Order, for the first time, parks and comes in and does a little talking. Not a fight, not an action scene. For Star Wars, for being right. a Star Wars movie, it's moving really slow. Mm-hmm. You know, this is in the Star... And I know they have to fill out a, a, a whole season, but come on, you can... 
you can do more than this. I mean, even Rebels move faster yeah, than this, at least. Rebels at least. But, and they had the, but here's the problem. These guys wrote themselves into a corner saying we're going to do everything on this platform. And you can't blow up the platform in the first weekend. You can't have a major battle happen there and destroy things. Because then what the heck do you do with the rest of your season? It's it's the Deep Space Nine problem of Star Trek. It's the Deep Space Nine problem of, of this of this Until they found the Defiant. Yeah. So <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like it, it's I, I've heard other people who are much farther along than we are saying... Something's got to happen here, or you know, I'm gone. And right. I'm thinking, my God, we have all these episodes to watch, and that's what we have to look forward to. <laughs> right. So right. I have a feeling that they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with this one, thinking that the character work and the visuals and stuff would keep people. Right. And for Star Wars, you need more than that. I was going to give this one actually <laughs> a five. I'm shooting straight down the middle because, as you said, Eric, it's not a must see. It had some interesting parts, but it's not an awful, like, it wasn't like last episode i mean the last episode was just awful for me to the point that i was like do we need to keep doing resistance but i was like all right you know stay for the course we got to do it everybody said the same thing about clone wars and i hung on past the first season and it got so much better as it went and you know this show i don't know i there are moments where i have misgivings the the blocking for the stupid stormtrooper moment was just awful for me i that was dumb i mean it was totally stupid i mean i didn't know you could be fast enough to dodge their stun shots right like, to duck to the side <laughs> to duck and, to the side and, and, and like, miss like it. a it's like a smoke circle coming at you slowly or something right those right. things were supposed to be faster than that so it surprised me right so you know you have those moments you have moments where like so Kaz gets caught with the comlinks, and he's like, "Catch him!" And he, they're they're running. I mean, he's halfway down the hall before they even start taking off after him. Do they really need to wait for him to say that? I mean, like, part of me is like, you should have been running after him already anyway. And he probably saying, "Catch him!" And I'd have been down the hall if I were a true soldier, you know, for the first order. I don't know that that part just seemed crazy to me and a, and a little far fetched. And, and there were a couple moments like that, you know. And But at the same time, I'm also sitting here saying, man, it was really easy for Kaz to find out the First Order was coming onto the base. I mean, they just marched themselves right in. And I get that there was supposed to be a curfew, but who the heck was enforcing it? Because everybody's out and about, it seems yeah, like. The whole point of the curfew seemed to be just a... St- just a, a line, you right? Know, just to cover themselves, right? And as so to how the first order could come in. So the fact that they were like trying to secretly meet—they're yeah. not secretly meeting with nothing. Everybody knew the first order is coming in, so that didn't make I mean, any I sense to me either. I would have liked it either. better if a ship came in to deliver fuel. What came off the ship was maybe these big cloaked aliens that looked right. different. They got walked in. They get into a, a room where there's nobody, and then you see the cloaks open up, right? And, and then they come out, out, come out the right. people, and they've snuck on. to or even if they just had like fake canisters of fuel coming yeah. in, and all of a sudden they crawl out of a, a canister but then of fuel again, that or something. Doesn't, I could see where that doesn't fit with the first order's way of doing things. They don't. Hide. I guess not. Yeah, they don't hide. So, you know. but they did to an extent because the ship that came in was supposed to look like a fueling ship, and they all thought it was until yeah. the ramp came down. I don't know. It was just weird. It kind of contradicted itself the whole time. Yeah, at I least mean, in that regard. You think the first order would come in in their ships with right. a show of force and be like, right. "Hey, you're going to do what we want now." Like bring Kylo's ship in, even yeah. if Kylo's not on it. You know what I mean? Why not? Why not? There's fear behind that ship, so use it. I don't know. There's a lot of things that, at least in that regard, did not make a lot of sense to me. And and so that that's why I would give it a 5 and not a 7 or an 8 uh, to say, hey, there was, there was something really cool here. And like you said, there's not a lot of story here. And here's the other thing. The whole reason that, that Kaz was sent there was because he was supposed to be a spy. Well, now he has information. So why isn't he clamoring to send this back? Well, that was he did say right? he said to BB-8, we got to get this to Poe. I get so it. I'm wondering if he's going to try and contact now 
the next episode is going to be. I, I got to contact. Paul. I hope, but yeah. you know, I don't know. Considering the show and the way it the is, the next episode is going to be. You know, he joins the a race. intramural basketball right. league that takes place on this this thing and and has to make friends with <laughs> Fa- Hype Faison during yeah. playing basketball. Yeah. So he can become a member of his crew and eventually race. Become the water boy for it's the basketball like, team. Yeah. And they have to face off against the moon stars. Yeah, the moon stars. <laughs> okay, so those are our thoughts in this wasn't, episode. That was, wasn't that the stuff from... Uh, no, that was from the... Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Space moon? Jam. Yeah, Space Jam. Oh, Space, Space Jam. Jam. Yeah, the moon what stars. Am I, oh, the, I'm thinking the moon nights. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you hear this? I shall turn it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw that, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm video, sorry. It's we'll, okay. We'll pixelate that out. But those two, those used to be my favorite characters. So, right. so... You know, so there's our thoughts on this. I don't know where else to go with this. Those are our thoughts on Star Wars Resistance. Let us know what you think. Again, head on over to Twitter or Facebook. Find us on uh, YouTube and smoke signals. <laughs> yeah, if you, or just send us nasty email if you want because you were enjoying this episode. Or, or tell us in person, Handel. <laughs> Which we might see soon. <laughs> he might actually be right in this studio, like tomorrow. You yeah. never know. Ooh, Hondo, that's right. Yeah, Ned, where are you? Huh? He's coming up here in the studio. Gonna see it. See all this cool stuff around us. Where are you? That's right. I just laid the gauntlet down for Ned now. Okay. So, like we like to always say here in the Star Production Studios, may, may the, the force, force be with those who listen. Because watching Resistance is as fun as listening to us. Golly. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line... We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line You Family for the Last Time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, Wayward Travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.